what would it take for you guys to sign up to be familiar for Dracula? Because there's not a lot of pros besides eternal life, and there's some other, like, powers and stuff in there. But is there anything a Dracula-type figure could say to you to get you to go, yeah, I'm in? I think I would just need a guarantee that I'm not going to need to eat any bugs. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I would just say, sir, uh, Mr. Cage, just promise me I don't have to eat any bugs and I'll do whatever you want. But Austin, the bugs give you the superpowers. Apparently. But they don't, it's not like you imitate what you eat. I guess you just get super strength. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yellow eyes. This is a better Ant-Man movie, I guess. I mean, (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) That movie sucked dick. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys that now want Nicolas Cage to be in every single Universal Monster movie ever. I'm Matt Johnson, and I got a nosebleed right before this recording, so I guess Dracula might be after me soon. I'm Keith Baker, and now I'm definitely not going back to New Orleans. And I'm Austin Terry, and I'm thinking we can all credit the success of Morbius with the recent comeback of Vampire Media. I guess. Unfortunately, that movie failed, and it failed twice, so I don't know what you're talking about. On today's (laughs) show, of course, we are talking about another spring movie release with Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage's Renfield. Austin and Keith, I know um, we talked about the unbearable weight of massive talent last year. I think that was our first Nick Cage movie we talked about on the podcast, which is a shame for me because I wish we had talked about 20 at least already to that point. Um, <laughs> love that movie. My boy Keith, of course, my best friend, unfortunately, Austin, um, <laughs> was also with me. Austin hated it. But it doesn't matter. We are back with more Nicolas Cage content, and I'm very excited. But my actual genuine question is, when you hear about a movie like this, where, you know, there's a movie called Renfield, Nicholas Holtz playing the main character, and then you have Nick Cage kind of in the background playing Dracula, do you have any expectations for that? Does that sound exciting? Uh, I mean, Nick Cage has been making, I think, a comeback critically lately, at least with things like Pig and Unbearable Way to Mess Talent we talked about. Um, But Renfield is a more traditional blockbuster, and you may say, who cares about that? But I think it's kind of noteworthy because we really haven't seen that from him since something like 2010's Kick-Ass when it comes to mind, because he's kind of stayed away from some of those blockbuster pieces of content. So having no expectations makes sense, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) But regardless, whether or not you did, what are your non-spoiler thoughts on Renfield? And did you have any thoughts going in? I mean, for me, I actually got pretty hyped for this movie. I thought the marketing was very effectively done. I was kind of expecting a cocaine bear experience for Mm. just a good time at the movies, maybe some good laughs in there, some good jokes. And for me, unfortunately, uh, I think it's becoming a a trend now where it's another spring and it's another Nick Cage letdown for me. Um, I did not have a good (laughs) I did not have a good time with Renfield. I will say. Um, As opposed to something like The Unbearable Weights of Massive Talent, I think the highlight for this movie is Nick Cage. um, And I think the downside is everything else. Uh, Everything that's not Nick Cage on the screen, I thought was horrible in this film. (laughs) Um, It weirdly is trying to be an action movie, and that's not what I got from the marketing. The side characters are awful, and I don't think it's their fault. I think the writing is the major like default of this film. Um, Nicholas Holt, I think, is really good, especially when he's interacting with Nicholas Cage, but everybody else, eh, who cares? So 
for me, I think this was a letdown because I paid and like went out to theaters to see this. I think if I had like seen this on like streaming, like on Netflix or something, I probably wouldn't feel as down on it. Um, I think anybody that's a Nick Cage fan should definitely go out and see this. I think you'll get something out of it. But other than that, I would say wait till streaming to see this one. I didn't have much expectations going in. I was kind of excited to see Nick Cage's Dracula, though. I'm like, okay, let's see what he can do with this, because I feel like he's going to bring some goofy elements to it. It'll make it fun, which he did. And I'm with, kind of with Austin. I, I think he is the highlight of this movie. Everything else, kind of the same as you, Austin. I think everything else kind of just fell to the wayside. I was kind of ready for the movie to be over. I thought the set pieces were pretty cool. I thought it was cool that it took, pla- that it took place in uh, New Orleans. Um, kind of has that like that voodoo thing going on in the background. So cool setting. I'm with you though. Side characters didn't have the best writing. Um, I thought some of them were just really goofy. I, there was not a lot of stakes to their to them at all. And goofy, and then like borderline annoying for some of them. Too. Yeah, some of them were just annoying. Um, wasn't sure what what they were trying to go for here. Uh, I did get kind of confused. It's like, okay, is this a comedy? Is an is this an action? Are they trying to t- tell like a Dracula story? Um, so yeah, it's kind of, kind of all over the place in that regard, but, uh, overall, I don't think it's really theater worthy. Um, but something that would be, would be fun to go just put on Netflix or HBO or whatever and, and just have a good time for an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm not far off. I, I kind of agree. I think this one was fine. Uh, I think the sounds that come off of the word fine are kind of a good review for this movie. It's fine. <laughs> like I don't know it, it it was kind of whatever to me um as somebody that has watched most of Nicolas Cage's filmography I got to say my biggest criticism is if he's not in the movie that much I don't like it I thought he would be a more central character in this film yeah. he's kind of a side character I did yeah, too really but is. but weirdly I thought he was in a decent amount of it and when he was in it I thought it was great but the problem is when he's not in it just everything kind of sucks. I think Nicholas Holt is very good as Renfield, but the romance plot, some of the action stuff, some of like the comedy outside of the Dracula element, it's like none of that really worked quite at all, <laughs> to be honest. So if it had, I would have been fine with Nick Cage playing a side character because he does that, you know, relatively often. But here, even though he's playing a big kind of like loud character, it just it was like those were the only scenes I was really excited about. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think like Keith said, if you're a big fan, then you you got to go see, you know, Nick Cage play Dracula because that's pretty huge. I'm a big Vampire's Kiss fan. He played a vampire in that movie. <laughs> and here he's back. And this time he's playing Dracula. So it's kind of a step up. Um, I, I, I just really... My my really sad non-spoiler thought is I just really fucking wish this movie was better. <laughs> yeah, it me sounds too. so sad. Yeah. I really think it could have been. I like the idea of Nick Cage playing not the main character. I kind of like the Renfield angle and he's this huge, like loud Dracula character, but it just the ratio is a bit off and the like making it a weird action romance. It could have worked, but I just don't think it did at the in the long run. And the other issue for me, too, is the trailer showed all of the funny jokes. Mm. So nothing hit for me because I already yeah. knew the punchline. Um, yeah. So that may not be an issue if you've missed the marketing for this movie. And I think there could have been some good laugh out loud moments in the theater. But I'd already seen these jokes promoted for three months now. Yeah, very fair. Yeah. 
All right, guys. So, I mean, this is one of those rare times where we're going to move into our spoiler territory right here. But before we get there, let's do a very quick final moment. Is there any reason to see this in the theaters, do you think? Only if you're a Nick Cage fan. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, all right. Yeah, I guess I would agree. I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. Um, but even I would say, I think waiting isn't going to hurt you <laughs> too much. So, kind of a dud. Not bad by any means, but not not the best. Not what we were hoping for. So we're going to go ahead and get into spoilers. So if you have not seen Renfield, make sure you go and watch it and then come on back to our episode where we get into all the juicy details. I'm called Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) His Transylvanian accent is actually really good in this movie. It's not bad. It sounds like Nick Cage. Um, Anyway... (laughs) Austin and Keith, as always, I cannot wait. We have an interesting lineup here, and I'm very curious what the highlights could even be. So, Austin and Keith, who is the cast and crew for this movie? All right, so Renfield is directed by Chris McKay, who you may know from the Lego Batman movie, The Tomorrow War, Robot Chicken, and he wrote the story for the recent D&D movie. It's written by Ryan Ridley, with a story by Robert Kirkman, who you of course know from Walking Dead and Invincible fame. Our score for the film is composed by Marco Beltrame, and of course, based on characters by Bram Stoker, which is interesting because this is actually supposed to be a sequel to the original 1931 Dracula with Bela Lugosi. All right, going to our cast, we have Nicholas Holt as Renfield, Aquafina as Rebecca Quincy, Ben Schwartz as Teddy Lobo, and we got Shoray Agdashlu as Bella Francesca Lobo, and we got the great and powerful Nicolas Cage as Count Dracula. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? I would give a positive to Nick Cage, but I'm going to save that for my dear friend Matt to do. Um, So I will give a negative to the writing for this movie. Uh, Ryan Ridley and amazingly Robert Kirkman. I did not know he was attached to this project. Um, It's all horrible when it's not Dracula. So that is 85% of the movie. So that means I think 85% of this movie is terrible. I guess the only like good thing is that Nicholas Holt, like when he's interacting with Dracula, like we talked about, but all the side characters, the weird romance between Aquafina and Nicholas Holt, the weird Teddy Lobo crime family, the weird like yeah. <laughs> murdering her father story, like all that was just so horrible and like felt like the most basic like surrounding plot they could have come up with. So I thought the writing was pretty trash for this one. Okay, I'll go next. We don't have to wait too long to bring up our boy. I mean, it's, it's Snake Cage. I just I, I just think this performance is what you want from him. I think it was so lively. Th- the way Dracula looked in this movie, I thought was so good. It was so fun. The way that he was able to kind of wear these prosthetics and makeup and still kind of move his face and like the way he was talking and like adjust his voice. It was so perfect. It was so Nick Cage, but also so Dracula. So it was like it was just such a win. I mean, that's I. Like, I think Austin kind of alluded to. I mean, that's the reason why you make this movie. It's because, hey, Nick Cage wants to play Dracula. It's like, oh, fuck. Uh, what script do we have? And it's like, well, let me tell you, it's not a good one. It's like, oh, oh OK, let's do it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> that that part kind of sucks. But he was great. I, I loved watching him. He was fantastic. He was so good that his performance convinced me we need Bangkok Dangerous, too. Oh, we don't. I promise we don't. <laughs> I'll shout out a positive to Nicholas Holt. I don't think he was terrible in this. 
He was good. That's yeah, fair. He that's was fair. Good. I did like his scenes in like the um the anonymous group. Um and some of some of his mannerisms, um, and just kind of the way he carried himself around Dracula, like he was kind of skittish. All that comedy kind of worked for me. It's pretty pretty funny to watch. Um the only thing that didn't work with me and going back to the negative on the writing would be his relationship with Aquafina's character, Rebecca Quincy, was awkward and weird and I didn't know where they're trying to what they were trying to do with it. And that goes to her character as well, too, with a negative. Not that Aquafina played Quincy bad, but most of these people seem to just accept that there's a vampire. Like there's not Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. not really like a what? A vampire? That can't be true. And she's just like, Oh, you work for Count Dracula? Oh, cool. Um, so I thought that was kind of weird. Everything with her felt like a CW crime show where it's like, they killed my father. I'm going to get my revenge. And I don't know. Felt very cheap. Yeah. From like a writing standpoint, I understood why she was in it. We need to find a way to get Renfield to want to leave Dracula. Could we have not done any better or found any better of a way? And I love both Nicholas Holden and Aquafina, to be fair. But it's just like their chemistry specifically together didn't really hit for me and then it's just like by the end it's like i guess this is the reason and i don't buy it and i should because the whole movie is about him like i gotta get away from this guy so it shouldn't be too hard to be like uh, like a genuine reason of like wanting to leave him so it, it, it was a little off the problem too is every time aquafina and nicholas holt interact he's either cutting people's arms off with dinner platters yeah. or eating bugs so <laughs> it's not true. exactly That's like true. lending yeah. to the romance <laughs> So you know what we thought about Renfield? What is everybody else saying? Uh, we got some interesting thoughts here. So Renfield actually has been receiving mixed reviews and currently has a 60% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, although it fails to take full advantage of its committed stars and killer premise, Renfield's batty horror comedy blend sinks in just enough to leave an impression. Praise, of course, went toward Cage's Dracula, and some of the one-off gags actually received a lot of praise. But criticism did um, go towards the romance plot, which we talked about, and actually just kind of the overall story arc when it came to the characters and kind of their journeys throughout the movie, with the exception of Dracula, because that's kind of a hard character to have an arc for. But everybody else, they tried and I think kind of failed a little bit. I think it's just too small scale. Like, it just doesn't yeah. feel very important. It's yeah. way too, like, it feels like it's one block in New Orleans that this is happening in. And maybe that wouldn't be a big deal if the story was more interesting. But at one point, they allude to Dracula. He's back to full strength. He actually wants to enact a plan to take over the world. And yeah. I think that may have been more interesting, but then the movie ends like right after that. Yeah. And they kind of, that, that doesn't happen and they win. And then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it happens very weirdly quickly. And, and also, I guess I should get it out of the way. Well, I just got the sad stuff out because I, I feel like kind of crying right now. Uh, this movie cost $65 million to make, which is quite, literally insane i don't know why they spent that much on this that's fucking crazy they needed him to throw an arm and impale somebody I and guess, it had to look good but i mean you can do that for not quite that <laughs> much you could you could do that for like 200 bucks <laughs> they needed him to step on someone's head and have blood shoot up three stories high i guess i feel like i did that in some college like uh, movies <laughs> um I, I of course i personally hope this movie does well based on the weekend take which we'll get into it, it doesn't seem to be the case um but uh, I mean, Deadline is reporting, you know, we'll see what happens in the later days. But as of right now, 
The three-day box office take is $7.7 million. And again, like we said, the movie costs $65 million to make. So if we're including marketing, I mean, we are looking at $130 million plus. So if your first weekend is eight, it's not a good sign, partner. Um, <laughs> Oofa! I personally Oofa. hope this movie ends up doing well somehow, whether it be in theaters or like on VOD, um, because I want to see more horror comedies. And it sounds like we all agree. Is this a great one? No. But I love that like specific subgenre, so I want to see more of that. And like we said earlier, I mean, Nick Cage is an actor that's kind of had a resurgence in the last couple of years. But the idea of him doing more blockbusters is kind of exciting. So it's like whenever they announced Renfield, I, I have to be honest, that was kind of my main excitement. It's like, oh, wow, if this does really well, then we may see a national treasure thing. We may, we may see him pop up in a huge like blockbuster Quentin Tarantino movie again. That'd be really cool. But now it sounds less likely. But, but either way, that, that was my hope. <laughs> I really hope everybody took a salary instead of a percentage of box office returns deal. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we've kind of gone into most of this, but maybe there's a little bit more we can kind of dive into here. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion and uh, break this all down. That's, of course, the main part of our show. We each come to the table with a point or two, something that we feel like we want to talk about in more depth. I have one. That if you guys don't mind, I'll start with. I'm very curious. It's always funny watching movies without you guys, because especially when they're comedies, because it's like <laughs> whenever we review them, it's like, well, here, here's this part that was funny. Here's this part that wasn't. But uh, it's very subjective. But my opinion was this seems to be a comedy before anything else. Of course, there are a lot of horror elements in there and everybody is saying there are horror, like, horror elements in there. And I guess I think like the idea of horror is being kind of co-opted. It's like if there's a lot of gore in something, then it seems like that means it's going to be a horror movie now or whatever. Where do you guys want to start with this? Like, did you like the balance of the comedy and horror? Because to me, it was like it felt like they were trying to make a comedy and just have like horror slash Dracula elements on the side. And I felt they just like totally messed up the balance. And, it, and that made me feel bad because I've been watching a lot of interviews with both Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage. And it seems like they were like, the, the cool thing about this movie is the balance of the comedy and horror. And I was like, I, I just don't think that's accurate. Yeah, the short answer for me is no. Um, and I actually would say I, I think they set out to make a horror comedy movie. And then they ended up with an action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is way too much action in this movie and way more than I was expecting. And I, I don't think there's enough horror for me personally, especially with Dracula and vampires being involved. Every, every time they do anything that should be quote unquote scary, it's usually coming off of a joke or an action set piece. So it doesn't lend to anything like actually kind of creeping you out or anything like that. If there had been more of that, I would probably be feeling more positive on the movie. And what is the scariest part of, of this Renfield Dracula premise? To me, it's going to meet this guy in the 1900s and then not realizing you've signed up to be stuck with him for yeah. all of eternity doing his bidding. So, and Keith, I know this is something you want to get into, but if the focus had been more of, here's everything Renfield and Dracula have done throughout the 1900s, here's why it's scary, Renfield's trapped with this monster, and then we end up in present day, and, and maybe throughout there there is some like really dark comedy, I think that is the more interesting movie. But a weird crime story in New Orleans that just happens to have Dracula just didn't uh, retain my attention for a full hour and a half. 
No. Yeah. I think they could have done without the Lobo crime family thing. If he's going out, because maybe Renfield stops doing his bidding for him, he, now he's going out and killing innocent people and Renfield has to work with Aquafina to stop him. And that could have been interesting too, if like, if Dracula doesn't know that maybe throughout these whole hundred years, he's only been feeding him bad people. And then Nicholas Holt decides he wants out and now he's out going, killing innocents and Nicholas Holt like realizes he has to stop that. Like, I, I think there's a way more interesting way to do the similar prevents, but just have a better story. Yeah, I think there's just a premise issue. Because, like, one of the biggest surprises to me, and I don't think they said this in the marketing, but the fact that this is specifically a direct sequel to the 1931 Dracula movie, and to Austin's, like, you know, last point, the idea that, of course, if this is a sequel, that means Renfield and Dracula have been kind of going at it for almost 100 years. That's super interesting. So it's like, if you want to make it serious at the beginning and then make it more of like a odd couple type relationship towards the present day yeah. that'd be funny as fuck now if you want to do it if you want to do it i don't know something different and like uh, go the action like you said they could have done that too i think they were just this is a classic example of just trying to tackle too many things at once it's comedy it's drama it's romance it's action it's horror and it's like uh it, you should have picked one i mean this is an hour and a half long movie you should have picked one because it does not work when it's all forced in there. Some of those little bits work, but uh, not all of it and nowhere close to all of it. I think there should have been a lot more scenes with them together. I like the, like the one apartment scene they get. That scene was great. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Like, why didn't we got my like, favorite scene? We needed yeah. like 10 more of those scenes. <laughs> like, we needed scenes with, with Renfield in, in his lair, bringing him bodies like one after the other. Like, we needed a montage of some sort, whether it was in modern day New Orleans or older times in Transylvania or whatever, uh, we needed some sort of montage to see their, their relationship over a hundred years or so. I'm shocked we didn't get him out on Bourbon Street. What were they thinking? Nick loves Bourbon Street. Nick Cage purchased like a pyramid in a, um, a graveyard and then he ended up having to give it back because he didn't have enough money. <laughs> but there's just a pyramid sitting there where Nick Cage can, I guess, get buried under. <laughs> He also owns the murder house in New Orleans, too. I don't think anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely used to. <laughs> there should be a movie about that. There should be a movie, like a sequel to Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where it's just Nick, like, losing all of these iconic things. <laughs> well, he's definitely not making any money from this movie after those box well, office numbers. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly did not invest his national treasure money very well. Well, he definitely did. <laughs> he lost all that. I did want to know, because this is a very weird movie. It's kind of a weird, shitty... <laughs> R.I.P. It's a weird, shitty, like, um, comedy, drama, romance, horror take, like we said earlier, on Dracula, essentially. Do we want to see that? for other like universal monster properties you know we have things like frankenstein the mummy invisible man and some of those things we've seen great versions of recently i always think of the lee winnell version of the invisible man with elizabeth moss a few years ago which was phenomenal but that's not in line with uh you know these with these monsters which is fine but it's just very different so i'm just curious for you guys like do you want to see 
like a version of these in the future because I always think about how they tried to make Tom Cruise's The Mummy, and that was supposed to give us Russell Crowe's Jekyll and Hyde. That was supposed to give us Johnny Depp's The Invisible Man, Javier Bardem's Frankenstein's Monster, and they were like, uh-oh, this movie failed. We can't do it. <laughs> Part of me is like, whenever they make stuff with the with like the Dracula story, it's because there's such a strong IP there. Like, do, is there something specific you guys want to see with these other stories? The Mummy is an interesting thing, actually, to compare this to Renfield, because that's another one that is very action focused. And so it seems like Universal wants their Universal monster franchise to be these like action hits. And I don't I think they're kind of missing the point of these franchises. I think these have a place in like modern cinema. I think you can keep doing these. I'd love to see a Creature of the Black Lagoon movie. Mm -hmm. I th I, that's one of my like favorite nice. Universal monster movies. But I think they're really missing out on the dark horror elements of these creatures. And I think they should just be owning the month of October at the box office. Like they could have a really good like continuous year where every October there's a new Universal monster movie out there. Um, I don't I think they're kind of getting away by leaning in toward like the action comedy side of what I guess you could try and make these movies be. Uh, I was thinking that too, Austin, like as far as Halloween season goes, like this would have been a great Halloween movie or it could have been a great Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely down to see them like in the more darker side, like pick, like, like you said, pick a side would either be, be a comedy or be a, a darker, darker comedy action. I mean, isn't this called the dark universe? Where's the darkness? Cause it's, <laughs> they're making it pretty funny because this, you could have easily just taken the action out of this movie and made it like. A Disney Halloween movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, yeah. You're not far from it. And I guess that kind of ties into the universe they've been trying to create. I'm not one, you know, I enjoy like the highlights of the MCU and the DC stuff and the Star Wars stuff, but most of it to me is kind of bland or bad. Um, but something here I think could really be special with the right performer and the right like director, producer, and writer, whatever it may be. It's just like, this one wasn't it. But it's like telling a story where you have Dracula, Frankenstein, wolf, like Wolfman, Creature from the Back of the Lagoon, like Austin said, uh, Invisible Man. That would be great. I would love, love, love a modern version of that. We're overdue for this. How cool would that be if it was a bit more serious? Maybe there's a little bit of levity here and there, but not too much. I think... If it was R-rated, that could be super cool. I'm not saying that because this movie didn't work for me. It's just that this one's balance, like we've talked about, was all over the place and not great. Um, I'm very excited, despite that, for particularly a really solid Frankenstein movie. I want to see a great actor cast as Frankenstein and a great actor cast as Frankenstein's monster. Like, I, I don't know who it would be. I can't really predict it. I think once they announce it, I'm, I'm probably just going to go, oh, that's perfect. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm, I'm excited for that because I feel like there are way more good Frankenstein adaptations than Dracula. <laughs> it's crazy that Universal owns all these properties and really have not done much with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, like we said, they really could be owning the month of October. I'm curious because this rumor pops up all the time, but Brendan Fraser has said he would do another Mummy movie. Do you think that's the way to go? Should they bring him back and try to reboot this franchise with him? So to be fair, when Brendan Fraser did The Mummy, 
they definitely were not like tying that in that trilogy into like the other universal monsters but (laughs) they could now that the mcu has happened we might need to (laughs) the mummy verse (laughs) that'd be pretty fucking sick but Here's what I'll say. I only want to see Brendan Fraser involved with the mummy if they figure all this other shit out. I mean, he could be our Sam Jackson. Uh-huh. Yeah. If we get like a good Van Helsing, like a mummy, and get Brendan Fraser back in there for the mummy part of it, that'd be incredible. But we, we need to figure this franchise out. And I don't know why it's so hard. Because <laughs> I feel like it shouldn't be. <laughs> and I don't know why it's so hard to make a vampire movie with like classic vampire hunters with Van Helsing. Why, why haven't we got, why haven't we gotten a good well, one of those? Part of like that, Austin, part of that is this movie didn't do it. This was like, yeah. let's do Nicholas Holt and Nick Cage. And Matt Johnson loves Nick Cage, but we we're not doing a, like a traditional Dracula story. It's more of like this weird comedy romance horror thing. Like I keep saying, but it's like, if we do something more traditional, maybe we can get off the ground a bit put Van Helsing in there. If we had introduced Van Helsing in this in a, like kind of like a new way, that could have been kind of cool. If he's just kind of lurking in the background, <laughs> that could have been kind of fun. Um, and then do your own thing. I don't know. I think we just, like, for, if you look, like, genuinely, if you look back at, like, the last 15 years, they keep trying to introduce characters like Dracula, Frankenstein, um, uh, Black Lagoon, um, the, the mummy. mummy, of course, yeah. B- pretty much all of them. And it's all failed. And it's like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys get the Dracula boat horror movie trailer before this one? Yes, 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 yes. The Voyage of the Demeter. And that is a horror Dracula movie. That looks where cool. They're stuck on this boat with Dracula. I have a feeling it's going to flop, but the premise from the trailers looks really cool. It's going to 100% flop, but it looks really good. Who's playing Dracula? It looks like the version of Dracula from Midnight Mass. Uh, yeah, like that okay. kind that's, of a good, that's a good description. Originally, Viggo Mortensen was supposed to star, but now it's um, Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones and Corey yeah. Hawkins and some other cool people. It's a good cast. I, mean, I hope that the one's idea, good. I mean, like, like we're kind of saying, Austin, like premises, like what it's all about. I mean- the idea of kind of Dracula for the first time being unleashed while uh, people from like 300 years ago are like on a boat from like the UK to the US or whatever it may be and they can't go anywhere. It's like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, so that's a great I idea. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I've been hearing about this idea for years, the specific script. It's, I'm glad it's finally being made. So let's hope it happens. I just think that's what you need to do with Dracula specifically. I think it's got to be a serious movie. It's got to be scary. Because if you try to, like, it just comes off as goofy if you don't do it that way, where he's like this opulent guy who's rich and has a side man that eats bugs. Like, there's so many, so much dumb stuff that if you don't do it right, it's just going to flop on the screen. Yeah, I honestly, at this point, think he has to be, like, super nonchalant. I think Dracula has to be a character that doesn't really care about any of those things, like you just said. I think it just has to be, like, he's kind of, like, moseying on about, (laughs) and then somebody like Renfield or a character that knows them, or maybe Van Helsing, just, like, shows up and is like, I'm here for you. And he's like, oh, like, fuck. Um, Shit, my bad. I, 
I hold wait, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> so like that could be like another stage of it, but it, they're just not doing that. They're just like, let's try and do weird horror comedies. And there's good stuff about it, but not great so stuff. So many about goofy it. stuff. Yeah. On on the flip side of that though, Matt, something I would love to see in live action would be a Castlevania style movie where you have Dracula at the height of his powers, he's got his castle, he's got his armies, and it's in medieval times, and you have everyday people trying to like wage war against this army how have we not gotten that yet like That'd i think that incredible. could be cool too i want to see that because when they when they cut back to like the the quick flashbacks with renfield and dracula becoming partners or whatever or renfield starting to work for him i was like oh that looks cool like a like a black and white or like a weird <laughs> filter on yeah. it like going going back to i don't know if y'all have ever seen young frankenstein and i will say i love the filter on this movie I thought that looked so fucking good. Well, they they inserted them in into the classic. That's yeah, what's cool. About which was it. so it was cheap. It was a cheap win, but it was really I thought I really liked it. Yeah, I think uh, you know vampires are are having a rise right now. I, I think we're due for some more medieval movies too. So maybe they'll move to genre. I'd be down for that. All right, everybody. Before we close out here, let's get into, of course our Arnie's Podcast Awards, the part of our show where we break down things that are positive, negative, or something in between. It doesn't matter what it is. It just has to be something that we think deserves specific praise. So, Austin and Keith, what are you thinking? What should we award today? Yes, I'm going to be giving um, the Worst Meeting Place Award. And I don't know if this stood out to you guys, but when Aquafina is on the phone with her sister, she says, meet me at Café du Monde. Mm -hmm. And if anybody has been to New Orleans, you know... Café du Monde is a tourist place. It always has lines out the door. You would never meet there because there would be nowhere to sit down. That's it's weird. an in and out place. That's fair. When she said, meet me at Café du Monde, I audibly in the theater was like, Café du Monde? Why would you meet there? <laughs> my wife had to elbow me in my side. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. I was That's thinking the same fair. exact thing. <laughs> Speaking of her sister, I'm going to give the mo- most pointless character award to Quincy's sister. <laughs> <because> <laughs> because like i felt like they were trying to build something with her like okay their sisters her dad died they had that that in common and then she just ends up about to die dead yeah dead (laughs) r.i.p baby (laughs) we don't really know how that happened yeah she gets the most pointless character award i think i might have the most powerful award that's ever been given on the entirety of our show we're coming up on three years and keith I am disappointed that you were not there for our last episode talking about Star Wars in the future. So I know it has quite literally nothing to do with this episode, but I'm going to give Keith the award for the youngest boy most excited about the future of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know or care if he knows about it. Through all of this, when we were like talking about Renfield, like whenever I was sitting in silence watching you guys say whatever you guys liked or didn't like, I was like, man, this movie kind of sucked. <laughs> I was just thinking about, I wish Keith was on the last one. That would have been really fun. That was a good episode. <laughs> uh, but he wasn't there. So, Keith, I think uh, you might like the future of Mando, Ahsoka, the Acolyte, whoever gives a fuck about it. We don't know. Um, so, R.I.P. RP to you, I guess, and Star Wars. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. And of course, at the Arnie's is our social and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. And we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Renfield? Is Austin a Nick Cage stalker? Should we arrest Austin? Anything you say we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. I'm basically Pedro Pascal's character from The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, I think you're uh, putting too much talent in uh, your corner. <laughs> well, it depends what performance you're getting, though. If it's his Mando performance, it's not enough talent. That's very fair. He might be gone. Who's to say? Grogu, no. Grogu, I have to get back to Mandalore and bathe in the waters of the living. Grogu. Don't watch the Arnie's podcast again. We'll see you next week. And this is us signing off. Goodbye. See ya. I'll try to find the light in the darkness. (laughs)